chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. It reads this way. It says, Now when Jesus had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because they wanted to accuse him. But then Jesus said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Look at that. That's heavy, right? They didn't want healing to happen. They didn't want restoration to happen. But look what Jesus said. He says, which one of you had a sheep that had fell into a pit on the Sabbath, would not lay hold of it and lift it out? He said, how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Look at your neighbor and say, you have great value. He said, therefore, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now, let's look at the man. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored. Someone say, it was restored. It was restored as whole as the other. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of winning with a withered hand. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five. Tell me you look good today. Go ahead and be seated. I'm going to talk to you about winning with a withered hand. In the 1990s, some of you might, some of you baseball fans might remember a major league baseball player by the name of Jim Abbott. Jim Abbott was a very successful pitcher with a number of teams. He was drafted by the Anaheim Angels. He played for a number of professional teams. He, he also played for the New York Yankees. And in his career, he had 108 wins and an ERA, an earn run average of about uh, four. Now, I know the ladies are like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, are there any baseball fans out there? Right? And he, he had an earn run average of about four. That just basically meant that he was tough to hit. Tell your neighbor, he was tough to hit. He was a tough pitcher. Jim Abbott uh, always found himself on a team's major league pitching rotation. And when you look at his, his pitching career, you find that he never spent one day in the minor leagues. He played in college. He was drafted to major league baseball as a pitcher. And he never was demoted to major leagues. He always found himself on a pitching rotation in the major leagues. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? So what? There's a lot of great, a lot of pitchers in Major League Baseball. But what made Jim Abbott truly special was not only that he played the most important position on the baseball team, and not only did he play that position well, but what made Jim Abbott special was that he was born with only one hand. And some, how many have ever seen him pitch? A lot of you have. You remember that. He was a left-handed pitcher, and with his right hand, his right hand was missing. And he would take his glove, and he would put it on his, on, on his missing hand, and he'd throw that ball over 80 to 90 miles an hour, strike people out, and then switch the glove over to his good hand. Even one time I was watching him pitch, and he only had one hand, and he threw the ball, right? And the, and the batter fired that ball right at his head. He switched the glove over to his good hand, and he caught the ball. Come on, somebody. Jim Abbott is quoted as saying, 
Find something you love and go for it and go for it with all of your heart. When asked why he was so successful at such a difficult game, because baseball is not an easy game. And when he was asked why he was so successful at such a difficult game, he said, I worked hard. He said, I felt like I could play the game. He said, the only thing that could stop me was myself. That's a word for somebody this morning. Because I came to tell you the devil can't stop you. Hey, come on, wake up this morning a little bit. I came to tell you the devil can't stop you. Your critics can't stop you. Your circumstances can't stop you. Your haters can't stop you. How many know nothing can stop you when Jesus is inside of you? And I love what Jim said. He said, the only thing that could stop me was myself. So for Jim Abbott, watch this. It wasn't a matter of what was happening on the outside of him. It was a matter of what was happening on the inside of him. That's why I believe this message is so critical. And I believe that if you're going to be everything that God has called you to be, it's not what's on the outside. But how many know sometimes we need healing on the inside? Is this a good word this morning? See, whether we admit it or not, every single one of us, think about it, was, was born with a bad hand. I look back at my childhood and, 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 I, and I say, man, there were times when I was a kid, I said, God, why did you put me in this family? Talk to me, somebody. Why did you give me these parents? They're horrible. They're always fighting. They're always arguing. They're always loaded. Talk to me, somebody. God, why did you give me this bad hand? I don't think there's one person here that doesn't know what it is to be born with a bad hand. You see, your bad hand may not be a physical disability, but maybe it's an emotional or spiritual disability within your life. And I really believe there's people here this morning that you really need to hear this message today. There could be some struggles. I, I think every single one of us this morning knows what it is to be born into a struggle. Is there anybody out there who knows what I'm talking about? Listen to these statistics about family. I want you to hear this. These are some statistics that I dug up about family. Between 1950 and 1980, the number of children involved in divorce and annulment rose 175%. From 1970 to 1994, the number of divorced adults quadrupled, making divorced persons the fastest growing marital status category in the United States. And this is the part that really got me. 40% of children growing up in America today are being raised without a father. This truly is a fatherless generation. I can relate to this. I know what it is to be a child of divorce. I know what it is to be raised without a father. 40% of children growing up in America today are being raised without a father. Let me pause here and talk to my married people. Fight for your marriage. Dads, fight. Stay home. Say amen. 40% of children are being raised without a father. And the number of single parents has tripled since 1980. Compared to children whose families was disrupted by death, children of divorce are four times more likely to report problems with friends and peers. In other words, if you're a child of divorce, you struggle getting along with people. You really do. You struggle getting along with people. You, you struggle in relationships. You struggle at work. You feel like you're not liked. You have complexes. Come on, somebody. You don't got to say nothing to me, but I know they're there. 
Look at this quote. It says, affecting personal education achievement, personal career path, and personal confidence. See, whether we admit it or not, church, all these things hurt us in a deep way. And that's why when the calling of God goes out, watch this, tune in with me. When you come to church and the calling of God goes out, that God is always calling us to a new dimension. God is always calling us higher. You come to church and you hear the preacher say, hey, listen, answer the call, rise up. All of a sudden, there's a hesitation in answering the call of God. The calling of God is being preached. The word of God is being preached. But within your life, because you've been a victim of these types of circumstances, now you don't got to admit it, but I know it's true because I'm a victim too. And when that call goes out, there's a hesitation to rise up to answer the call. Generational curses of divorce, generational curses of abandonment, generational curses of addiction in the family. They want to hinder you from God's purpose in your life. But I've got news for you this morning. In my many years of doing ministry, I've seen many people win with a bad hand. I've seen people rise to defy the odds. Come on, somebody. I've seen how God has able to take someone's bad hand and turn it into a good hand. People that were counted out. People that they said it would never happen. Marriages that they said they would never make it. Young people that they said would never answer the call. I want to tell you, I've seen testimony after testimony after testimony about how Jesus can straighten out that bad hand within your life. If you're here this morning and you've been dealt a bad hand, I got I came to tell you everything's going to be all right. Reach out to Jesus and let him straighten it out for you. I don't know about you, but regardless of your critics and regardless of the people that have come against you, Jesus can straighten out your bad hand this morning. I've seen how God can turn it around in people's life. But I want to I be honest with you that I've also seen how some people shrink back when God calls them higher. See, I, I shared this with our leaders last Sunday, a couple Sunday nights ago, how when, when sometimes we hear the word leadership, discipleship, love, give, take it to another level. Some people, they, they stretch out, they get excited, but some people, they shrink back. We can't answer the call to love because we've been hurt deeply inside of our life. Love has failed us. We can't answer the call to giving. Why? Because someone has taken advantage of us. We can't answer the call of discipleship or leadership. Why? Because trust has been broken in our life. Trust has been broken in our family. A parent burned us. A family member burned us. Man, even a husband or a wife burned us. Someone messed us up. And so whenever God calls us to go higher, we recall the old feelings. But I came to tell you that Jesus wants to heal those hurts. And he wants to heal those things that have been done to you this morning. There's two things I want to share with you. Number one, write this down, is that hurt hinders our hand. This man had a withered hand. And many people in the house of the Lord have recognized that hurt hinders our hand. Where did Jesus find this man with a withered hand? He didn't find him in the street. He didn't find him in the marketplace. He didn't find him at school. Where did he find him? He found him in the synagogue. He, he found him in the house of the Lord. Let me put it this way. He found him in church. Imagine that for a moment. Think about it. You mean that there are 
hurt people in church. Now, you, you look, let me tell you something about my church. I got a good looking church. Oh, I got it. Have you seen these people up here that came up, these fashion models that came up? How skinny these people are, good looking they are. That's your babies. That's some of your babies. That's some of your boyfriends and girlfriends. Come on, somebody. You, I got a good looking church, man. You, you look good. Woo, man, look at you. you. You got a nice suit on, boy. You look sharp this morning. My God, that jacket. Where'd you get that? CNR? Come on, somebody. I seen your shoes, some of you ladies, your hair, come on now, your hair's all did up. You look good. Look gooder than a government check. <laughs> I know my church. You got that nice smile. Come on now. Your teeth. Ooh, look at you brighten up the room. I know you look good on the outside, but I want to tell you, even though you look good on the outside, there's some people here that you're hurting on the inside. Oh yeah, you're smiling. You're on the worship team. Come on, somebody. You're ushering. Come on, somebody. You're working in the children's department. Everything looks good on the outside, but I know that it's not about what's happening on the outside. There are some Christians here this morning that even though you look good on the outside, there's something deep going on on the inside. I know you won't say amen, but Jesus found this man with the withered hand in the house of the Lord. But I've got good news for you today. That if you're hurting, you're in the right place. Because how many know the house of God is a hospital for the hurting? It's a hospital for the hurting. Now you say, well, why do Christians hurt, Pastor? Why do Christians, you know, they, they, they buy a lot of expensive makeup, expensive clothes, nice shoes and all that. But they're still hurting on the inside. I'll tell you why Christians hurt on the inside. Because they've never learned that there's a Savior that can heal them internally. They've never learned that there's a, there's a Jesus that not only wants to deliver them and set them free, but he wants to heal the hurts of their heart. See, friends, it's not the things on the outside that hinder us. It's the things that on the inside that try to stop us from being that person God's called us to be. Jesus came for two reasons. Last week, I, I talked to you about the cross. And how many know there's power in the blood of Jesus? And how many know when Jesus came, he came to die for our sins. And how many know that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin? Why don't you give the Lord a praise if you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus? Right? And if you're here this morning and you're still lost in sin, you can be cleansed this morning. But I want to tell you, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. But the blood of Jesus not only cleanses us, I want to tell you, it breaks the chains off of our life. Addiction can't stand under the power of the blood. Uh, drugs can't stand under the power of the blood. Alcohol can't stand under the power of blood. How many know there's power in the blood of Jesus? And when the blood of Jesus touches your life, chains must fall. So Jesus came to set us free. But secondly, Jesus came, watch this, to heal us. Let's look at the very mission of Jesus. We find it in Luke 418. But I, and many of you know it, but I, I want you to hear this this morning. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Watch this. But he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Think about it. To heal the brokenhearted. He, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty. Look at this. Those who are oppressed, guys. Look at this. Those that are oppressed, Christians that are oppressed. 
children of God that are oppressed. Yes, you've been delivered. Yes, you've been given a fresh start, but you're still walking with your head down. Walking in a spirit of depression, walking in a spirit of oppression and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen, I'm no mathematician, but by looking at this scripture, by my calculations, I want to tell you that 75% of Jesus's mission is to bring healing to people's lives. Bring healing to people's lives. That Jesus didn't come and give his life on Calvary just for our eternal security. If you have Jesus in your heart, yes, you're going to heaven. Yes, you're saved. But Jesus also came to give life and to give life more abundantly. That Jesus gets no glory out of you being depressed in this life. If you can't praise God and you can't worship the Lord and you have no joy in your life, my friend, the devil is standing by laughing at us and saying, yes, you can have their soul, but I'm going to have their victory. They're not going to walk in joy. They're not going to walk in peace. They're going to walk feeling like God doesn't love them. Mm, strong in here. I'm, I'm battling against you right now. There's a war going on between you and me right now. I could feel it real strong. Leaders, help me pray right now because there's people right now that are being oppressed in the house of the Lord. They can't shout. They can't give God praise because the devil is keeping them down. But I came this morning to break that stronghold over your life to let you know that Jesus came to heal your heart. No matter what you are going through this morning, I came to tell you that there's healing at the foot of the cross. Listen, let me tell you something. The work has been finished. The work has been completed. Tell your neighbor, the work has been done. But I want to tell you something. The reason we don't have the victory is because we don't accept the full work of Calvary. We accept salvation, but we do not accept healing there are so many christians in the house of the lord that are defeated this morning because they do not know the true benefits of the cross look at psalms 103 i'm going to just teach you real quick this is a powerful scripture psalms 103 are you guys with me this morning psalms 103 reads like this let me find it if it's on this on the screen says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let me point something out here. Only a healed heart can bless the Lord. Are there any healed people in the house of the Lord today? Then don't let anything take your praise. Don't let anything stop you from giving God praise. Don't let anything stop you from giving the master glory. Has he been good to you? Has he broken you through? Has he healed your life? Has he delivered you? Come on and stop and give the Lord a praise break this morning. Listen to David. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, all that was within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my, all my soul. Look at here. And forget not all his benefits. Someone say there's benefits. Look at the benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Listen, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, 
who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Look at here. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. In other words, he takes the bitterness out of your life and he brings the sweetness back. Come on, somebody. When you've been healed, he gives you back your joy. He gives you back your song. He gives you back. Come on. He puts the smile back on your face. See, some of you can't smile this morning because you haven't received healing yet. But by the time this service is over, baby, you're going to have a smile on your face ear to ear because God wants to heal those hurts. He wants to heal those pains. And this is the one I like here. It says, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. That's a word for my over 40 crowd. Where's my over 40 crowd this morning? Say something to me. We're growing. We're growing in this church. Our over 40 crowd is getting bigger. And you remember what life was like when you were young? Come on, somebody. You had a spring in your step. You had a glide in your stride. You felt invincible. You were healthy. You had abs. Now you have one big ab. Talk to me. You had all the energy. You never missed church. You were strong and mighty. But as you got older and you got into some battles and you got into some wars, those wars took a toll on you. Those battles took a toll on you. But when God begins to heal you, he begins to give you back the strength of your youth. Come on, 40 crowd. 50 crowd. 60 crowd. Come on, somebody. I wish I had some help up here. Where is that crowd that says, I'm ready for God to heal my life. I'm going to get back the victory. I'm going to get back my strength. I'm going to get back my song. Devil, you thought you had me, but I'm not finished. God is still working in my... He's late. I came to tell you we serve a miracle working God. We serve a healing God. We serve a supernatural God. God's not done with you. He's going to heal your withered hand. You're not finished yet. The best is still yet to come. I'm going to need you to shout. I'm going to need you to praise God. I'm going to need you to bless his name. Give three people a high five. Tell them it's going to get better. Woo! Jesus came to heal you. Stay close. Hurt hinders our hand. And I want to talk to some of you that you try to cover your hurt. Don't cover it no more. Don't be ashamed of your hurt because everyone's been hurt. Everyone's been through stuff. Is there any honest people in this church that can say, I've been through some stuff? Hey. But that's the second point is that hurt hinders our hand. But watch this. The heartbeat of heaven is to heal us. You've got to get that inside of your spirit this morning. That we serve a compassionate God. Oh, I'll say it to this side. Get that inside of your spirit that we serve a compassionate God. 
and heaven loves the hurting. I'll say it to the middle. Get it down inside of your soul that God is not mad at you, but that God is madly in love with you. And we serve a compassionate God. We serve a heaven that has a heart to heal you. I know you've been through struggle. I know you've been through battle. I know you've been through war. I know you might be bleeding a little bit this morning. But God says, I love you so much. I'm going to heal you. I sent my son, and he's going to heal you this morning. Touch your neighbor and tell him it's time to heal. Look at the compassion of Jesus in the story. See, religious people, they don't like healing. It's funny how they want to they want to proclaim, proclaim the acceptable. Jesus is coming back. All angry. 75% of Jesus' ministry, you can't prove me wrong, was to heal God's people. The religious people didn't want them healed. But look what Jesus did. He saw that they were plotting against him. He discerned it. He says, I got to get out of here before they kill me. In Matthew 12, 15, the Bible says he withdrew from where he was. Watch. And then the people followed him. Come on, somebody. How many know sick people are hungry for healing? They followed him out to the place he was. And look what Jesus did. After they followed him, he healed them what? This is strong. He healed them all. Yeah, yeah, you in the back. He healed them all. Yeah, you not clapping. He healed them all. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Doesn't matter. He healed them all. Well, you don't know what he said to me. Doesn't matter what he said to you. I know he was rude. I know he was nasty. I know it hurt you deeply, but he healed them all. Well, you don't know my upbringing. I don't care what kind of upbringing you had. We all had a bad hand. We all had a tough upbringing, but the Bible said he healed them all. Healing is not for some, my brother. Healing is not for some, my sister. Healing is for everybody. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're Mexican. I don't care if you're white Jesus has the compassion and he healed everybody listen the poor man was healed the rich man was healed the leper was healed and that's the point Jesus healed them all because Jesus is the only one that can heal them all say this with me say Jesus is able. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is able. But the second thing we see here is that not only is he able, but this is strong. This is strong. And if you leave with anything this morning, leave with this word. It's not only that he's able, but he's also willing. What's the number one reason people fail to receive their healing? If all these benefits are available to us at the cross, and if the work has been finished, what's the number one reason that we, we fail to receive it? I'll tell you what it is. The spirit of rejection 
the spirit of abandonment and the spirit of doubt. Some of us have been through such rejection in our life. We've been rejected by the most important people in our life. Rejected by mothers. Rejected by fathers. Rejected by grandparents. So here comes God saying, I love you and I want to heal you. But you don't receive the healing because you're saying, my family burned me. So God, you must want to burn me also. Are you hearing me today? We haven't been healed of abandonment. We haven't been healed of rejection. And what do we say about that person? We say that person doesn't have faith for their healing. And that's not the case. Go deep with me. We say they must not have faith for the healing. They must have doubt. It's not that they have doubt. They're not questioning God's ability to heal. They're questioning his willingness to heal. They're not questioning his power to heal. They're questioning whether he loves them enough to do the healing. See, why see how quiet that is? Because some of you have been hurting for a long time. Some of you have physical ailments. Many of you, many of you have spiritual ailments. And you say, why can't I get free? Because it's not that you question his power. Because you see him do it in others. And you say, God must love them more than he loves me. This is deep. And you walk around saying, I must be under a curse. We talked about this last week. I've been cursed with the curse. Nothing. I never get any luck. I never get a break. Nothing works out for me. And I came to tell you, that's a lie from the devil. That's a fat lie. That's one of the biggest lies of the devil to make you think that you are a second-class citizen in the house of the Lord. And I came to expose the devil. The devil is a liar. He loves you. Jesus loves you. God has a plan for you. All you need to do is receive by faith that healing. Receive by faith that breakthrough. Listen, brother, sister, you're no better than me. We're all the same in the house of the Lord, but I've learned to accept his healing. I've learned to accept his grace. I've learned to accept his mercy. Is there anyone here this morning that you have learned how to accept the benefits of Psalms 103 and you can bless the Lord, oh, your soul, and say, I didn't deserve it. I didn't have it coming, but I've learned to accept the free gift of healing. The, come on, somebody, the free gift of grace. Listen, I should have been dead. I should have been on the cross, but Jesus loved me so much, but I had to learn how to accept that love. Woo. Wow. I want you to touch two people and tell them we got to learn to accept his love. This is powerful. This is personal to me. And I'm going to close. 
This is personal to me. This is something that I've had to learn in my life. I'm tired of seeing some of you walk around hurting. And sometimes we get that victim's mentality, don't we? Well, I'm, you know, you're not a victim, you're a victor. You're not a victim, you're victorious. You're not a grasshopper, you're a giant killer. I'll say it to this side, you're not a grasshopper, you're a giant, you're a warrior, man. You're a war. To survive what you've been through, come on, to survive that upbringing, to survive that childhood, to survive that time of prison, you didn't lose your mind. You're not a grasshopper. You're a giant killer. You need to stand up and know that God loves you. Woo. Touch your neighbor and tell me, you got to learn this. I had to learn this. I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. I'm not alone. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't have parents that had a lot to teach me. They were just trying to make it themselves. Father stepped out of my life when I was 16, you know, thought I was a grown man at 16. How many thought you were grown at 16? That was stupid, wasn't it? Talk to me. You know, that was dumb. They're like, man, I was an idiot. I needed my, my father in my life. He wasn't there. A lot of challenges ahead, different things, right? I didn't have it easy. I've had to scrap. I've had to fight. Truth be told, I, everything I, I've learned in my life, I learned right here in the house of the Lord. I learned right here in the, I learned from this Bible. Talk to me. Come on, let me get a witness. I learned, I learned from the people of God. Come on, how many thankful for the people of God? It takes a village to raise a child. I was raised in the house of the Lord. Hey, Jesus saved me, but victory outreach raised me, baby. I'm here because the people of God helped me get here. And I've been hurt. I've had to learn this. I went through some heavy stuff, man. But it got real dark for me the last two years. Many of you know my story. I don't need to go through it. But when my daughter got sick, it got real dark. Real dark. I was just brought into a place where the devil had me gripped. Imagine that. The preacher was gripped by the devil. We're human too. Pastors aren't exempt from pain. And the devil had me gripped. And I put on that brave face, didn't I? Didn't I look strong? Tell Pastor, you're so strong. You're lying. You're so strong. And that's why I love you. Well, you know, thank God for that. But inside, the devil had me. <laughs> lying to me. Can I be open with my church? God doesn't love you. Look at you. You're over here helping people. Look how God treats you. Over here preaching your heart out. God doesn't love you. Look at look, God doesn't love you. Look what you've been through. God doesn't love you. And I had begin to smile. 
Maybe it's true you don't love me. Then it got darker. See how real this is? God's not real. Your whole life's a lie. You're preaching foolishness. God's not real. But you know what I did? In my darkest time, in my time of fear, my time of doubt, I did what I was trained to do. And I put myself under the preaching of the word of God. Come on, someone. Faith come by hearing. Come on. Who knows it? Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I would drive in the morning because Georgina would spend the night with Riz and I'd go home and I'd be so broken, weeping all night, weeping all night. Bones were hurting. My body was hurting. And I'd get in my truck and I'd drive all the way to Rady's in the morning and I'd have that word on, man, preaching. And then one day, this powerful preacher, he, he preached a word. He was talking about the leper. The leper came to Jesus and watched, watched. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. Think about the depth of that. Think about the depth. He wasn't questioning his power. He said, Lord, if you're willing. He, he's saying in essence, Lord, whatever you will to do, you are able to do. In other words, if you want to do it, God, you can do it. This leprosy is nothing to you. If you desire to heal my body, it's nothing to you. If you desire to heal cancer, it's nothing to you. If you desire to heal depression, it's nothing to you. You are Jesus. You are God. It doesn't boil down to your power. It only boils down to your character, to your will. And I'll tell you, the moment that I came back to life in my darkest hour is when that leper said to him, if you are willing, you are able to heal me. What did Jesus say to that leper? He said, I am willing. I love you. I don't want you sick. I don't want you depressed. I don't want... My soul began to come back to life. There are people here right now that need to understand that the heartbeat of heaven is to get you better, to get you stronger, to bring you out of that pit, to bring you out of that depression. Come on and clap like you know God is able to pull you out of that negativity, to pull you out of that pain. Jesus said, I am willing. In other words, it's all here. I'm going to put it this way. Oh, this is heavy. Because I know you. I know you're good. 
It's not a question of whether Jesus loves you. It's a question of whether you're ready to receive that love in full. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been let down by people. I know that you've faced negativity in your life. And that negativity has caused a good hand to become a withered hand. In this story, as I close, Jesus looked at that man with the withered hand. He said, stretch it out. So that man, not only hearing the word, look at responded to the word, watch. Because I mean, it's not enough to hear. I want to get you free. It's not enough to hear. You got to respond. The Bible says he stretched out his hand, look it, and his hand, look, was restored to the strength of the good hand. See, a lot of you, you've been trying to live life with your messed up hand behind your back. How you doing? Doing good. What do you got in your jacket? Nothing. That little secret in your life? Hurt in your life? Put some on Facebook real quick. I'm gonna do a selfie. Bible says that when he reached out his bad hand was restored to full strength you know what that tells me that that word restored means that that hand wasn't always bad at one time that hand was good he had both hands happening I see it I see it happening come on lift up your hands right now all over this place if you say I need to stretch out I'm ready for God to restore some things in